Good evening, my listeners from all over the world. Uh, it's your favorite dictator here. I have to say to you, I am very, very pleased that I am now the funniest dictator in the world since Donald Trump is no longer president of the United States. I have to say, I have no co anything in common with President Biden. I mean, President Biden. I have nothing in common with him whatsoever. Um, I am very, very angry that he has not invited me to his inauguration. I think that is uh, a little bit of racism on African countries. No African leader has been invited to the inauguration. And I was reluctant to go to uh, Donald Trump's um, farewell ceremony. So I don't know, some of you I'm sure are still glued. But you know, what really pisses me off about this American inauguration is that we have the president of Uganda who has also been elected and no one is talking about Uganda. No one is talking about the elections in Uganda, but everyone is going on about America, America, and America. And my plan, as you know, as president of Laf Republic, is to change that so that we have African countries dominating world politics. That is my lifetime ambition. Now, I don't want to prolong this any further. I have a guest, a very, I call him a very important guest. His name is EJ. Uh, he will tell me how to pronounce his, uh, his uh, Filipino name, because I can't pronounce it properly. He works for Nextop, uh, and he's the community manager for Nextop. And I have to say to you, Nextop have been very, very instrumental in uh, providing me with a platform uh, to broadcast my uh, presidential aspirations and presidential comedy and presidential public statements. I have done quite a number of projects with Nextop. And especially since this lockdown, uh, they have been very, very um, useful. And they just don't work with me as president. They work with quite a number of other civilian comedians. So I'm going to be asking um, EJ lots of questions. And uh, I'm sure he will be pleased to, uh, to answer this question. So with no further ado, let me introduce you to EJ, who is the community manager for Next Stop. How are you, EJ? I am good, President. How are you? Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm, I'm very happy to have you on. I notice, I always say to my guests, I'm not disappointed that they haven't got my posters on their wall. <laughs> but I see you have uh, almost like a ladder, as if you want to escape from this um, interview already. There's nothing to be <laughs> frightened about. <laughs> At the top of that ladder is a poster review. Don't worry about that. Really, really. <laughs> it's the highest place in the room. It has to have the highest place in the room. It's got to look down over everything else. Good. That is how it rolls as a dictator, right? Yeah. So how have you been? How have you been watching the inauguration of the civilian president? I have. I have. I've been watching that for the last sort of hour or so. It's it's been interesting. I think everyone I know who's been watching is waiting for something bad to happen. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I have to say I am so disappointed because there is a there is a moment of opportunity. So you know that period where Donald Trump actually stops being president and they're inaugurating the new president-elect. You know America does not have a president during that period. That I don't know how many minutes, let's say maybe it's five minutes or whatever it is. Mm. Someone has access to the nuclear code. That is the time that America should be attacked. And nobody took chance. <laughs> nobody took the chance. Not even China, uh, not even North Korea. They just sat down there, willy lily, and uh, I'm disappointed. I'm totally Honestly, disappointed. I see. Like I imagine that most other countries are just waiting for America to blow up themselves. In that sense, it's just like let's see how the shitstorm goes. If Look, we don't have to do anything. Let's sit back. Let's relax. Watch Trump I, do something I, insane. I have a cabinet minister. He's uh, I sacked him because he became a conspiracy theorist. And he kept telling me, Mr. President, that something is going to happen today in the America inauguration. His view was that um, uh, President Trump will be on the Air Force plane. And uh, it's very likely that they're going to shot. He was very confident that uh, President Trump will continue to be president and that they will arrest quite a number of people, including Biden, on the day of the inauguration because the elections have been rigged. Hello, Biden has been sworn in. Uh, I, I fired. I fired my minister of information. But uh, yeah. what were the get rid, what, get, get rid of that guy. Clearly, that clearly guy. not got a clue what's happening. So the, the things I picked up from the inauguration, I saw that Michelle Obama is back. I saw her yes. very lovely outfit. At one point, I thought, 
wow, is she the one who wants to be vice president? She dressed better than, <laughs> than, than Kamala Harris. Than Kamala Harris, who I believe she'd be in the kitchen cooking for her husband. But that's another thing. That's another thing entirely. But <laughs> I did see I did see Bill Clinton falling asleep. So yeah. it cuts through, you know, the old previous presidents, and just behind Bush, you've just got a shot of Bill Clinton's eyes not opening at any point. But, and you're but, just like, oh. But don't you, I, I, I can't believe that Trump decided not to show up. He had, you know what? He's, I mean, it's not controversial to say he's probably the most petulant person on the planet, right? <laughs> Without question. So him, if he did show up, he would, all cameras would just be sitting on him, watching his face and his reactions to everything. If anything, it's better he didn't show up. Okay. Give the attention to Joe Biden. Let him Give have that. Biden. But you exactly. know, you know, it's not. You know, it's not. This is controversial. But my people tell me it's not Joe Biden that's been elected. It's actually no. Are they? I, I, I laugh the Republic all QAnon are conspiracy theorists. No, no, we're not conspiracy theorists. But we, <laughs> we, we, we know what's happening. We know that uh, it is actually Kamala who is now the president of the United mm. States because. Uh, Joe Biden, from my intelligence, is going to be sleeping all the way through the presidency. That's <laughs> even if he knows that he has been sworn in. <laughs> he is technically the oldest president, right? Look, and this is what is really interesting, EJ. Um, Africa is always constantly criticized for having older presidents. Mm. America decides to have Joe Biden as president. And don't tell me, I'm not being ageist in any state or form, but apart from the fact that America can no longer criticize African nations on how to run elections, don't criticize us when we have older men running for presidency, <laughs> you know? No, exactly. I mean, he's what, 78? He's 78. 78. He's, got, he's got four years. I don't think he's going to finish his four-year term. <laughs> well, maybe that's what Kamala Harris is waiting on. You never know. Yeah, you never know. yeah, you never know. So, I mean, I'm... I'm Filipino. I mean, I come from. I mean, we've got President Duterte right now. There's. We have oh our yes, there. my my good man, my good friend. He your, he he. They, well, you had um, Marcos. Your good you? friend. You yes. had Marcos. Marcos. Let's talk about Marcos. So your So what are you doing in the United Kingdom? My mum came over to escape people like Marcos. Seriously? <laughs> no, she no. She she um. She moved to Lebanon, I think, when she was about 20 to start doing nursing and things like that. Okay. And then moved over to the UK, sort of beginning of the 90s. Okay. Yeah. And since then, pop beer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I was born here. I didn't really have a huge connection back to the Philippines until I guess I got a bit older. Okay. But yeah, would spend a couple of years in the Philippines when I was a bit of a kid. Didn't really understand too much. But then, yeah, would go back kind of every year as a teenager see the family again and just watch kind of the politics of that place go up and smoke a little bit more each time I went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, a couple of questions for you. So when you went back, did they treat you like a, a Filipino or did they treat you like a British person? They don't treat me like either. They treat me like an American. Really? Why? Why? <laughs> they call me Americano in a weird kind of way. They call me Americano. <laughs> I don't know why, but they just i don't think they registered that i'm british in any way they're just like oh he speaks english he's american okay because okay. i think that's just the media that they consume there it's no nothing british it's all american imports all that kind of thing yeah so there's no real concept of what being british is it's okay. like oh you speak english you're american wow you're not speaking tagalog you're american wow and wow. i don't speak tagalog anyway which makes it so fucking hard <laughs> So hard. Okay, so they think right. you're American, and what? And 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 uh, so you obviously went around during the the Marcos years, but, no, but tell me I'm about this your course. current president because he is quite um, uh, almost he's almost a dictator, isn't he? He's very, I think very you and him would get on really well. Yeah, I definitely think so. He's um, he's one of his kind of big policies is essentially the war on drugs and yes. sort of ending things like corruption and drug yeah. usage in the Philippines. Yeah, but. With, an extreme hardline stance. Yes. So yes. there are there's no debates. If there's any kind of relation to drugs, you are mm -hmm. in prison. You are getting arrested. You are potentially, potentially at risk of death. And it is to that level of an extreme, I guess. Wow. Um, which is insane. And I think there was a statistic from I think his first year of presidency, and I may be pulling this out of my ass entirely, but there was a statistic I think of around thirty thousand deaths in his first year alone. 
from his crackdown on drug usage in the Philippines, which is insane. But wow. and so that yeah. that that must obviously because you know in Britain they always talk talk about oh we want to sort out crime we want to tough be yeah. tough in crime and the forces of crime and so on and so forth. So the the crime rate must be very very low as a result. Do you think that's actually helping? Is it really? Because there's no there's no opportunity to be rehabilitated, is there? It's just no. But I think that it's strange because I think as a as the country has kind of grown, it's had corruption sort of throughout. Throughout, it's always had corruption. I mean, Imelda Marcos's shoes were always like an internationally famous kind of sign of how much money they were taking away. Mm. Um, and I think if you speak to someone from the Philippines about Duterte vast majority of them are really positive about him. Wow. It's very much a, yeah, he's helping clean up the country, it's discipline, it's structure, it's something that we've never had. And yeah, the majority of people, even my own family, when I speak to them, and obviously I'm coming at it from a completely almost westernized kind of perspective, yeah, yeah, where I'm yeah, seeing yeah. death and anything like that as a negative, no, no, government mm. shouldn't be doing that in any kind mm. of respect. But mm-hmm. yeah, if, you sp- if I speak to a cousin of mine, if I speak to an aunt, they are for it. They are wanting, a sense of security and the prevailing kind of thought is if you're not doing anything illegally it's fine yeah. yeah but yeah it's it's kind of mad to kind of talk to them about it because they are they kind of want they like how hardline he is they like how much he swears they like how much he talks shit to people mm. <laughs> like his sort of interactions with other leaders around the world they love it because he's he's ballsy he's brave he's so he's proud almost, to be he's, he's almost like trump isn't he He's, he's Trump. I mean, what was that image? That there's a clip of them holding hands, and I can't even remember yeah. where that was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah he's he's our Trump, and it's ah, oh, it's ah, oh, it's disappointing. <laughs> so for me, for me, it's so but, disappointing. But, but you see, you see, the, the what's really interesting is a lot of people criticize uh, Trump and the Filipino president, and a lot of people, you know, criticize. Uh, popular leaders, but isn't, my view is that the establishment has failed. That's why people like Trump and the Filipino president can come into power. I mean, I, I saw David Lamy's, um, he's an MP and he was comparing Britain with America and saying, oh, I'm really, really pleased that uh, Biden has been appointed and is now elected. We need to do the same in Britain. But surely 79 million people voted for Trump the number of people, I don't know how many people voted for your Filipino president. Look at what happened in Britain in terms of Brexit. Surely these people, they've tapped into the fact that citizens of these countries are unhappy. And it's, yeah, a, that, failure. And it's a failure of the policies, isn't it? Well, this is it. It's like it's 30, 40 years of corruption, mismanagement, mm-hmm. 30, mm-hmm. 40 years of in, what I guess is international embarrassment, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you just especially when I, yeah, especially if you go back to the Philippines, you just, they just want structure, stability. They just want someone that they can go, this is what's going to happen. And we know mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. And it's all mm-hmm. transparently open and out there. Even if it's extreme, they're happy. And, and, I, and I suspect that your coronavirus in, in, in the Philippines, coronavirus is not necessarily an issue. It, it would have been a complete lockdown. I, from what I know, it's because I have not really thought, I've not really heard too much about it over there. Like, <laughs> it doesn't a, exist. <laughs> genuinely, genu- no, but I think there's that, er- that element of a lot, a lot of people are coming forward to say, oh, I've got coronavirus or I've got mm-hmm. this or I've got that. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, especially in that kind of culture, it's not the done thing that if I've got a cough, I'm going to go to the doctors or anything oh. like that. If I've got a cough, I'm going to stay at home or I'm going to just wait till it passes kind of thing so there's no real estimate on how how kind of widespread it is yeah yeah and I, is, I, the research oh, yeah. that we've done on the from the Obonjo medical institute is mm-hmm. that authoritarian regimes are much better at dealing with coronavirus compared to the, the democratic nations because they're so <laughs> laid back that from that from your experience that's from that, your research yeah that is the research we've with my people have it provided me from the Virgil <laughs> Medical Institute. No, you know what? Then fine. The tarot is cool. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> it's got it easy. It's got it sorted. No <laughs> problem. <there. laughs> yeah, but, you anyway, know, if you're we, telling we, me that, I trust it. No, you have to. You have to believe it. You have to believe. My people will not tell me. I see you have a cough. I hope. I hope you haven't got Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually coming off a COVID bout myself. Are you serious? Yes, I am. So last week, I was pretty much unable to breathe. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't the best kind of week, but no, a lot better now, feeling a lot more sort of 
ready. I think I, I was glad to actually get back to doing some kind of work. Yeah. Because I think when I wasn't doing anything, I was just kind of lying in bed or kind of mm -hmm. walking around. I just felt a little bit worse. Mm -hmm. and, well, I'm yeah, sorry to hear that. I, 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 my mom, if it helps, uh, didn't have COVID, uh, okay. but had to take the vaccine. Uh, oh. And I was so worried. At one point I said to myself, I'm a dictator, I shouldn't show any emotions because I couldn't sleep on the, on Thursday night when she told me and said, oh, son, I'm taking the vaccine. Um, and you got, she actually behaves like a dictator. She said, it's not up for discussion. I just want to let you know, this is my decision. <laughs> That's where you get it from. That is actually where you get it from the president. It all makes sense now. Dictatorship is always, always hereditary. It always works like that. <laughs> Yeah, so you're feeling better now, yeah? I'm feeling a little bit. I'm glad to hear your mom's got the vaccine, though. Yeah, yeah, she has. And, um, you know, we're, we're, let, let's talk a little bit about COVID because there's so many conspiracy theorists out there. You know, people yeah. who are not wearing the masks, people who do not believe that COVID is happening. And I have, I've had a few friends who, not, not many, but quite a few who had them. And I've had one or two who've died as a result of it. Okay. Um, and so, and I'm... I don't believe in conspiracy theorists. I just think they, I, I always have this view that they should be the ones should be vaccinated first, you know, or give them some of the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. give them some you of the. You guys are going to be the guinea pigs for this. You're going to guinea pig pigs so that we can prove to you that this is, yeah. So, um, yeah, it, yeah, my mom, my mom is fine. My mom is fine. Oh, She's no, I'm give, glad. Yeah. So, and I, I, will encourage, I, I will encourage anyone who's listening, especially who has a, a health condition, mm. uh, take the vaccine. You know, wear your mask. Very, very important. It doesn't mean that you've you've lost your freedom as a result. And anyway, if you're in Latin Republic, it's no choice. We're not going to get you to vote whether you want to wear your mask or not. You're wearing your mask. You've got it. It's strapped got on. It. I'm assuming got you're first in line when the vaccine gets to Latin Republic as well, right? Uh, no, I uh, would like my citizens to take it first. Oh. Yeah, they're the guinea pigs. <laughs> I was going to say you're a good, you're a lovely leader, and then you just kind of ruined it. <laughs> no, like, I'm oh, so generous. So I'm generous. not going to behave like the British, where they were proving that the Queen and the Prince Philip had taken the vaccine. You know, I, I, I'm not doing that. I I I'm not doing that. I you know I want to live long. I, you know because for for unless the only reason why I would take the vaccine is if we produced it, Turkey Force is if we produced it in Latin Republic. At the moment, mm. this is an in, this is produced by Britain and America, and I do the, not trust- The Viagra people, right? Yeah, they're, they're yes. the, not that I need Viagra, but they are the Viagra, <laughs> <laughs> they are the Viagra people. <laughs> That's all I know Pfizer for, if I'm honest. <laughs> really, you now, need it? No, no question as to why, I don't need to go into that any further, but it is on my mind, it's just something okay. I'm aware of. I, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed because that's not what it's for. <laughs> if anyone's getting the vac anyone listening, if anyone's getting the vaccine and thinking it's Viagra, please just, just check the pack. Just just no, double no. check. I want your medical institute has said that it will not help you if you have sexual problems, it will not help you <laughs> in any shape or form. You need a better juice from Laughter Republic. So <laughs> I, I know that you uh tell me about how you got into Next Stop and uh, yeah. what, what what your your views are about comedy and where we are at the moment. Sure, no, I'm glad. Um, so I've, I kind of describe it to guys that next up and kind of anyone who asks this question that I'm a, basically a comedy nerd that got super lucky. Oh. So I've been a fan of comedy growing up for years and years and years. And like, I've watched so many specials and any panel show that was out there and tried to go to as many live gigs and as many Edinburgh's as I could physically afford as like a teenager in my early twenties and that kind of thing. Um, I was just a massive fan. I was just really, really psyched to go to any comedy gig, watch any comics live and just, you know, feel that laughter in the room. There's something really just nice about all of that. that I absolutely loved going to and seeing. Um, and yeah, when I, I actually, funnily enough, heard about Next Up through um, Stuart Goldsmith's podcast, The Comedian's Comedian. Yeah. I think it was about three odd years ago, they'd done a short um, sponsorship with him. Mm -hmm. sort of partnership with him and essentially yeah he plugged them on hit one of his episodes and I just heard it and I was like oh because I'd actually been working as um I'd been working for a number of startups for a couple of years at that point sort of doing customer engagement and kind mm -hmm. of just managing sort of how people and users work and mm -hmm. comms and things like that which is all boring as hell <laughs> mm -hmm. but 
yeah, when I heard about Next Stop, I kind of found, oh, there's a company that's doing stand, or sort of working in stand-up comedy that I can actually do something with, as opposed to just being a fan where I'm like, oh, excited to be in the room. <laughs> so yeah, I, it sound, it's going to sound quite sad, but I stalked Next Up for about two years. Wow. <laughs> Basically just following them, anything that they did, or just keeping an eye out for any job updates, any big announcements, anything like that. And so the moment there was a job, offer for a community manager mm -hmm. basically fitting into something that I could actually do in terms of my skill set I jumped on it I instantly when I saw that I just applied I sent <laughs> quite a sappy cover letter I'm pretty sure <laughs> mm -hmm. that was basically like how much I loved it and how much I've been following them um, mm -hmm. and yeah I spoke met the founders interviewed got the job I genuinely do think I'm a comedy fan that just got super lucky and happened to have been doing work that they could benefit from. Now, this is confirmation, my friend EJ, that you stalking works. You, you yep. get what you want. <laughs> stalking works, absolutely. Stalking, stalking works. works. I am... and, 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 and one of the things I, I, I like about Next Talk as well is just, I found out about Next Talk through a friend called Njambi. Oh, and yes, love Njambi. The brand name, to be honest with you, it's so like Netflix. You know, it's like, yeah. When, yeah, you really need to think about it. Oh, what is it? Is it Netflix or is it Netflix? <laughs> it's a very clever um, uh, uh, brand name. So um, what, what does your job entail? Because, you know, you can have all sorts of jobs with titles. What does that, what does the community <laughs> manager mean? Yeah, so I, it's kind of the easiest way of describing it is I look after the communities that are involved with Next Up. So this is communities being our user base, our members, the people who subscribe and watch all the shows on the platform, as well as comedians like yourself and Jambi, people mm -hmm. who we've worked with in the past, um, and agents as well. So all these kind of different communities, making sure that they're aware of what's happening, how mm -hmm. things are going, keeping kind of in touch with the brand and making sure mm -hmm. that yeah, you guys get what you need from us as much as we get to work with you guys. Mm -hmm. And making sure that our users and fans of you guys get to see that all come together. Mm -hmm. I think for me, like kind of the moment it all kind of ties together is just that moment after a gig, everyone's really happy, the acts are happy, like mm -hmm. everyone's kind of coming out of the show with a smile on their face and they can mm -hmm. kind of just sit back and go, oh, we put that together and it was great. Mm -hmm. And it was lovely. And mm -hmm. yeah, I guess my job is to make sure that everyone leaves happy, stick comes back to us happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if there's any problems, I am kind of on board to fix it, help out as much as I can. And yeah, to and, make sure that everyone knows what's going on. And it's really interesting how, what, you know, conspiracy, conspiracy theorists would say, just like they've said that um, actually Trump lost the election and the way they got Trump to lose the election is to create this China virus to destroy <laughs> the US economy. So my question to you is that in terms of timing, because it's 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 for those who don't know, Next Up is a is a comedy channel. You can streamline videos, you can subscribe, and you can watch videos online. And just check out that. Mr. President Abonjo's Good Night, Mr. President. Yeah, great. We'll talk, we'll, yeah, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that one. Um, and uh, by the way, you called me a comedian. I am a president. I'm not a comedian. Oh, my, no, yes, of course, president first, and then. <laughs> um, but on a serious note, the fact that. It's, it's just good timing that, because everybody has gone online because of the pandemic. Mm. And then Next Up was just positioned in the, you know, the right market segment to just yeah. lift things up. Because like I said, yeah, Next Up have saved my presidency actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's honestly really nice to hear. And I think when lockdown first came into play, we like instantly knew we need to shift something. We need to yeah. pivot in some way. We need to make sure that we're providing similar services and opportunities to kind of anyone that we work with. Mm. And so one of the things we did when we first, when lockdown kind of first tipped was we started really going into the virtual gigs, trying as hard as we can to kind of get that format right, find out what audiences liked, what mm. comics liked, mm. kind of the best approach to give you guys, I guess, an opportunity to perform to your fans really. Mm -hmm. And alongside that, we also did something called Heckle the Virus. It was a, essentially a big campaign to um, provide funding to comics whose essentially livelihood had been cut off yeah. due to COVID. And yeah. so, yeah, I think it was, our target was 100K beyond that, I think actually. And it's sort of every sort of week we'd give out 10K to acts and comics who had essentially applied for it, who needed wow. sort of that extra financial help and support. Wow. And 
yeah, it was something we were, one, obviously we were super happy to do and really grateful that we were able to do that and be in our position to do that. Mm-hmm. But also it was great to kind of see that follow on and like, yourself obviously moving into streaming and stuff and moving into more mm. sort of virtual gigs and loads of other acts have kind of been able to move into that and a lot of yeah. that's come from sort of working with us and helping them sort of get a footing and how that kind of handle works yeah. and how best to approach it from either a technical standpoint or a ticketing mm. standpoint and just mm. yeah we're glad that we were able like honestly like on a personal level i'm glad we were able to just help mm-hmm. give people another opportunity that when all live gigs are kind of shut down to mm. still do what they do best and still mm. make people laugh and mm. Yeah, we were lucky as hell. I just want to say to laughter Republicans around the world and all the listeners, because just like Donald Trump, who didn't claim any salary over the last four years, <laughs> I did not claim the Heku virus, because if I did, I would have <laughs> distributed it to my people, but I did not claim the Heku virus. And also, I have not collected any money from the British government in terms of foreign aid. I just want to let you know that, you know, I'm funding all this podcast by self-funding. So... No, but it's it's really wonderful that you've been able to do that for comedians because, as I know, there are quite a number of comedians who uh, were doing this full time and that was their sole income. And so exactly, yeah. I mean, but, we were thinking about it in sense of because we got a lot of, I guess, a lot of big comedians as well, like people like Rich Herring, Don French, people who've kind of have in the made it category mm-hmm. of acts. They were fully wanting to support as well, and I think that yeah. was that was the beauty of kind of the comedy industry and the comedy community. It was yeah. it's people who have reached a position where they can give back wanting mm. to give back as well yeah and, and is, ne- is next stop am i right in saying at the moment next stop hasn't got any competitors in terms of streamlining um, in the uk there are other sites where you can stream comedy but i yeah. think in terms of what we provide in terms of that kind of special experience and kind of the live streams that we're doing as well. I don't think there are many people doing kind of the full package of what we provide. Because mm-hmm. you can get live streams from quite a few other places. I know there's like Always Be Comedy, Happy Mondays. There are loads of really good sort of weekly comedy nights that are streaming yeah. dead. Yeah. But in terms of a full catalogue of 200 plus shows from acts of like, from different levels to people who are like, you know, Miles Jupp and mm-hmm. Andrew Maxwell to people mm-hmm. like who are up and coming, like Lauren Patterson, yourself, mm-hmm. Maisie Adams. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's an, there's, I just don't think there's anyone else who kind of provides the same quality of content, the mm-hmm. same sort of flexibility and service that mm-hmm. we kind of do. Mm-hmm. So have you seen yeah. an increase in subscribers as a result of the, the lockdown? I think that was going to happen anyway, wasn't it? I think yeah. everyone moving to online and realizing that oh yeah i can still enjoy comedy even if it's not live live Mm -hmm. i can still feel like it's live and yeah that was always a big thing for us we wanted to make sure all the um shows that we had felt like experiences okay and so it it worked really well i think in terms of gaining subscribers obviously a horrible situation but yeah yeah yeah, i think we were we had an offering that made sense to people and Mm -hmm especially without, without live gigs. It's just, mm. yeah, you need to stream comedy, you come to us and we're happy to be there for you. Okay, one question for you. Yes. There's going to be lots of questions, just the way my brain works. Um, that transition from live gigs to actually performing to a virtual gig, did you, did, I certainly, it took me a while for me to master that technique. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the same for most comedians? And did you offer any support in terms of training or how people make that transition? Because I think, you know, when you're a live act, making that transition to a virtual gig, wow, is, is quite a challenge. Oh, definitely. And I think you can always tell someone who's kind of doing it for the first time or so versus someone who's kind of done it for, let's say, three to six months or something like mm. that. It's, mm. There's a huge difference in, I guess, the approach to that show. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it was definitely a sort of uh, a learning curve for a lot of comics and us ourselves in terms mm. of just making sure we were providing as much of an experience of comedy as we possibly mm. could. Mm. Um, yeah, there was, I think we started out doing quite a lot of I guess you'd kind of say almost experimental kind of streams on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Kind of play, it was kind of a great place for us to kind of test different formats, mm-hmm. play with different ways of kind of streaming onto other channels and yeah, making yeah. sure that, yeah, if we could find a format that worked and was able to get a lot of traction, we'd obviously move forward with that. And mm-hmm. yeah, it took a lot of experimenting mm-hmm. to find, I guess, a way for people to enjoy gigs and still feel like it was like a gig. live. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I think 
the one thing that we really noticed was just that audience noise, that audience interaction, being able oh. to hear the response of a laughter, a response oh. of a joke. Like that made a huge difference. Like you can see something on YouTube, like so there's some great, great streams on places like YouTube, like the stand and things like that. And I know mm. um, over Christmas, people like Jason Manford had huge ones. Mm. The biggest difference is that live mm. noise from the audience and hearing the response, hearing the reaction and getting the laugh back. Like you can see it when someone's performing their face lights up because they knew that yeah. joke landed yeah and it's honestly that's something that we wanted to make sure it's like that's the magic in a bottle isn't it that's the magic in a bottle moment you know yeah. you've got them and you can kind of carry on going yeah yeah make yeah. them cry with laughter if you can kind of thing but yeah that's yeah, yeah. the one thing we wanted to keep as much as we possibly could that magic bottle moment of ah oh, the laughter the response mm -hmm. the engagement all of mm -hmm. that and yeah i think we're in a lovely position now where we've kind of nailed it to a good mm -hmm. degree like oh, all excellent. of our gigs are really well run really smoothly run technically always really smooth we do tech sort of run throughs with all of the acts that we work with so mm -hmm. they're never coming into it completely cold completely fresh they always at least know how the setup's going to go mm -hmm. and yeah if there's any kind of tweaking of a show that we think might need to happen because it's virtual we always let them know about that and try mm -hmm. and work with them to kind of refine it and refine mm -hmm. it till it's something they're going to be one proud of but also we work for their audience in a virtual setting okay so at the moment it's a uk company isn't it uh, UK based, but we do have acts from all over the world. We've got quite a lot of Australian acts as well at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. People like um, Judith Lucy, Celia Pacola, Tom mm -hmm. Ballard, some really good names, Alice, Alice Frazier. Mm -hmm. some, yeah. Some fantastic Aussie um, and New Zealand based comics on there, and some American ones as well that we're slowly gaining more and more of. What about the African market? Have you considered? Ooh, we d we've got a few, but we definitely need more, I think. If there's any that you can recommend. Yeah. I've got any any good names, honestly, send them my way. Yeah, yeah. So up for yeah. doing some work there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned um, earlier on that um, when you were stalking next up, that you were... <laughs> can, we, can we reframe it? <laughs> when I was, when I was uh, following, keeping an following, eye following, on... Following, keeping, keeping, keeping. Yeah. You weren't stalking, yeah. following. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. You were in stocking. You were following. Um, you were. You had a keen interest. You were just doing some research on your prospective employer. That's what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you mentioned, yeah, you were a comedy nerd, and you mentioned um, that you watch live shows. And I am interested to know who are those. Um, and you might not want to say this, but I will demand that you answer. <laughs> you have no choice. Um, who, who are we, which comedians did you enjoy watching uh, before you joined Next Up? Oh, it's going to be, uh, see, this is, so weirdly, my first full show that I ever watched was a Marcus Brigstock show. Okay. I think it was, I think it was a film recording of Planet Corder from years and years and years ago. So yes. super, super old. But in terms of just acts I'd see like live and around, it was going to be people like May Martin, Bando mm -hmm. Man, people mm -hmm. like that, that were just sort of on the circuit when I was kind of following and going yeah. to live gigs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Harry Hill Nights at Moth Club and things like that. Like, as much as I could find kind of in my area, I was definitely going to. So those are the acts that were sort of always kind of gigging near and around me at the time. Mm -hmm. And who's, your, yeah. who's your favourite comedian? Oh, honestly, that's impossible for me to answer. I actually don't know. It's I honestly don't know if I have a favourite comedian because it's just, I have a like a real love for one-liner comics and one-liner puns and that kind of thing because I love the sort of perfectionist intricacies of just that wordplay and the mm -hmm. moving of one word to another so if I'm gonna say favorite comic right now I'm like I'm in the one-liner sort of mode I've got to say someone like Mark Simmons at the moment and for me is someone who I'm loving the work of I think is absolutely great mm -hmm. it's just a really fun one line of comic to watch and just really fun and clever in terms of putting like an hour show can still feel light-hearted really fun mm -hmm. not laborious especially when you consider something like gag after mm -hmm. gag after gag you'd expect it to be to, to plateau at some point in the enjoyment but it just doesn't and yeah mm -hmm. someone like mark simmons i find fantastic um stuff i love someone like anna man it's colin holt basically just that sort of yeah character. the character comedian yeah yeah exactly like there's something really amazing about watching a character a comedian who is fully owning it and fully mm. committed mm. and bring the audience into that character so, yeah. like that it when you watch it live it's just an experience i don't know how to it's almost a bit like watching i guess a drag act like an amazing drag act it's mm. they bring you into this they make you believe it's authentic it's genuine and it's entertaining beyond anything else mm. my listeners 
I have to say this. Uh, I asked him a question in terms of who his favorite comedians are. And he mentioned Max Simmons and he mentioned a character comedian called Anna, what's the name again? Anna, Anna Man. Anna Man. Anna Man. Uh, you can imagine how I feel. This is meant to be my podcast and he's mentioning other comedians and also- I would like to draw your attention to the fact that you called yourself a dictator first. <laughs> and you know how it happens. Uh, if EJ is not seen after this podcast, you know why, you know extremely well. <laughs> <laughs> you're my favorite dictator for sure <laughs> for but, uh, sure yeah yeah it's, it's always interesting to know um it, so do you feel like so what used to happen with live gigs is you would have um someone who i'm not suggesting that uh, the best way to describe it there's someone walking at the comedy club and they happen to be the technical and engineer they do all the technical stuff making sure the sound system is all working and all that stuff and they get to see lots of comedy yeah you see lots of comedy so that's the way i see you uh, in your role as a comedy manager at next stop because you get to see also have you seen all the shows on next uh, about 80 percent of them i'm working my way through the catalog but they keep getting more added every week so it takes a long time <laughs> to catch up honestly it does but yeah no you're absolutely right like i offensive effectively have lucked out into just sort of the perfect kind of position for me where I get to work with great comics like yourself and mm -hmm. get to watch amazing shows. You see, he's trying to recover his position, but let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm waiting for Laughter Republic SWAT team to just barge through the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, um, and being part of Next Up and being sort of the comedy nerd that I am has really opened up other avenues for me mm -hmm. in terms of what I can kind of do in the comedy industry. Like, um, I'm I was actually part of the sort of judging panel for the Funny Women Heat last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, was in the Birmingham New Faces competition the year before that as one wow. of the judges for that. So, yeah, wow. I mean, this thing, it opens up loads and loads of doors for me to kind of just keep growing in the industry and keep getting better and better. Be well, well connected. You can, you, can help a, you can help a president. <laughs> oh, for sure. Just let me know what you need. Uh, so the other thing I know is that uh, there, I can't remember the names, but there have been comics who, who were basically walking in a club as technical assistants. And because they watched so much comedy, they ended up doing stand-up comedy themselves. Yeah. And you, you, you've obviously called yourself a comedy nerd. You've uh, expressed who the, your, your favorites are. I'm okay. I'm not jealous about that. But uh, do you do you think that you would ever? I'm not going to survive the end of this podcast. <laughs> do you think that you'll ever uh, be tempted to go on stage and and say yes? Oh, I'd like to give it a shot. If you'd asked me this when I just joined next up, I'm sure there'd have been some part of me that was like, yeah, in a year or so, well, I've watched enough. Um, but I reckon I could write. <laughs> could do a really solid five minute set. Could nail. On thinking about it now, not a chance. Knowing how much work goes into crafting, even a singular joke, knowing how much work goes into kind of creating that stage persona. Yeah. I don't, I can't, I know it. Like, I think you get people, I was definitely that person, I guess, before joining, where you're like, oh, comedians, if you've got a funny bone in you, it's natural. It must mm -hmm. be easy to write. It must be like, mm -hmm. I can sit down for an hour and think of just loads and loads of funny things to say. And it's mm -hmm. just not that. It's mm -hmm. absolutely not that. There's graft, there's work. It's like if you talk, I've spoken to so many sort of comics who've done an Edinburgh show and mm -hmm. like just afterwards, and it's like months and months and months of trial and error, previews, work in progress, everything they can possibly do to refine that show so that it's perfect. And yeah. when I look at it, and I think back to when I was, when I, before I joined, thinking about me going, yeah, I probably could have done it. It's laughable now, <laughs> knowing how hard comedians work to make it look effortless yeah yeah i physically couldn't do it physically I, couldn't do it. i certainly i certainly felt that way when i uh stopped being president and tried comedy and i remember the first time i did it and i smashed it 350 people screaming my name i thought that's it i'm a comedian and uh, and then i died several times before <laughs> before i mastered uh, mastered the craft so it's i, I can so trial by fire isn't it <laughs> yeah so yeah it's it but um it's it's uh it's a difficult time for comedians but there are as far as i'm concerned there are opportunities there are opportunities mm. for people to uh learn new skills and this is this is a new skill for me in terms of yeah. podcasting as well um i mean yeah i think 
I mean, after this, the comedy landscape is just changed forever, isn't it? There's no, like, you can't really go back past sort of how much there's been in terms of streaming, virtual gigs and that kind of thing. You can't just then erase what's happened after that. You can't mm. just go back to the, 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 the I guess, prior to lockdown, there's just live gigs and gigging around. Obviously, you, we want that to come back and we want that to be as robust and as diverse as it, it was before. Mm. But the landscape has changed now. There's a huge market for virtual virtual online comedy and there's a huge market there's a huge swathe of comedy fans that weren't ever able to go to those live gigs who've now mm. got access and now can see their favorite comedians without yeah. ever having to leave their home and i think that's not going to change now and i think that's the challenge i i would almost say that you know audiences have now been institutionalized you know why mm. would i want to leave my house when i can be half naked with a bottle of beer and watch <laughs> Michael McIntyre, streamlining or whoever it is. Uh, and I think that's going to be a real challenge when live geeks get back. Mm. You're a real household name and they, they are real comedy lovers who know that it is different when you're at a live gig. There, there is this connection. Uh, it's just a beautiful connection that I, that I, um, that I miss. Um, mm, sure. We're talking about um, jokes. Um, I've just uh had to bury one of my jokes today because of biden um, oh what was the joke you just oh, the, joke, the joke was about how uh donald trump is let's workshop it let's workshop it let's workshop <laughs> it let's see how we... <laughs> let's it's, see it's, if we can get to a real heavy punchline <laughs> it's a joke about um about uh, an african dictator uh, and comparing myself with donald trump now that he's left now that joke is dead it, you know it served me well for four years and I buried it. I buried it 12 noon. <laughs> actually, I actually do have a question for you on that. Is there slight disappointment now that Trump's gone? Because he was an open goal comedy topic, wasn't he? I, like I, I, I have been, you know, the lockdown has, yeah, he was an open goal comic and um, a open goal topic. And I'm sure people are writing very quickly um, uh, jokes about Biden, they're coming mm. out thick and fast and, and, and that will dominate the next four years. I think it depends on where you are in terms of your uh, comedy. So a lot of the stuff about Trump and Biden, politics in particular, as far as I'm concerned, are all topical jokes. So if you're, sure. you know, if, you, if, that's, if that's what you like doing, then that's where you need to go. But the lockdown has made me reflect, my friend, because some people would say that you cracking the joke about a particular politician is very hacky. You know, mm. because it's so predictable. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But my view is, sure. is how you actually deliver the joke and the creativity that you bring to it. Uh, if you are just going on and you're just saying, oh, Trump is a bastard, Biden is a bastard, yeah. and everyone is saying that, then that's not creativity as far as I'm concerned. But if you are thinking more creative, coming up with creative jokes, I think you can get, you, 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 it's not a case of getting away with it. You just, very, you're very comfortable in, in your, in your, um, your, setting and your comedy persona does it for you mm. but i i think that i think the world will miss trump um because you know he he was an entertainer he he mm. he destroyed political satire as far as i was concerned it, it felt like <laughs> yeah he know he did it, it, he did <laughs> he felt like can't satirize what's yeah, yeah, ridiculous yeah, yeah. And... He felt, it felt like he had four years of a of a comedy show you know a four years edinburgh show and it went on and on and on and on till the last minute. Um, and I, I don't know. I think, I think Trump jokes are dead now. I think they are mm. just dead, literally dead. That's my view. I think th there's, there's definitely going to be a side of people who just don't want to ever reference or think about the four bleak years of Trump ever yeah, again, yeah, for yeah. sure. There's no yeah. one who will, no one wants to relive those days. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, but for me, it, when you ask the question about uh, uh, the Trump, for me, the lockdown has made me reflect and uh, mm. I've been doing a lot of writing and I've been doing a lot of writing to show the flaws of democracy. You know, as far as I'm concerned, democracy is a virus and we need to flatten the <laughs> curve. It, it is because it's not, it's not working anywhere. You know, if mm. you look at America recently accused China of genocide, 400,000 people have died of COVID in America. Is that not genocide? Yeah. 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 I mean, if, 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 you, if you didn't have those countries listed close to the number of deaths, you will actually think 
it's another country that has committed genocide. And that's for mm. me, you know, it's made me think about just why are people so unhappy with democracy? And, and we'll see what Biden does because the first thing he's going to do, my friend, which is what politicians do, he's going to reverse the policies of Trump. He's going to that's sign an executive sure. order. He's already talking about reverse Muslim ban, or oh, the nuclear uh, arrangement with um, Iran. It's as if politics is so simple. Do the opposite of the previous government. <laughs> yeah. Undo all of it and hope what you've done is better. And hope what you've done is better. Like, genuinely, actually, you know what? So the title of this podcast is one, like, if you could change the world, what would yes. you do differently? Yes. That is something that I was genuinely thinking about that question. And I was like, that's one thing I would happily get rid of if I could change the world. I would get rid of party politics entirely. In its entirety, I think party politics becomes it's almost like university club vibes. There's something really kind of... Club. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? It's, there's, it's like, you're, we're part of this group and you're part of that group and we hate this group for no... It's like, no one's speaking on policies that they genuinely believe in. It's all about what the group collective is thinking. And I, yeah, yeah. And, and I, that... Honestly, I would happily get rid of party politics and just see individuals who have genuine care and concern and have and wanting to make a change those if those policies that they have in place as an individual resonate that's when they become more and more sort of i have to, i have to agree i have to agree with you my friend and it's really you think you know what is really interesting is i come up with all these ideas and i'm, I'm the least democratic leader in the world <laughs> <laughs> you know in the world the things, yeah, sure. and one of the things i said about britain for example is they always said that the coronavirus was uh, the invisible enemy. We're fighting a war. Mm. And you see both parties attacking each other. Why don't, you form, why don't you form a government together for this period of crisis and join hands together and collaborate? But, you know, and it's rich for someone like me to say that, but I agree with you that... <laughs> Wearing your military outfit, exactly. Yeah, I just had to mentally take a moment to realize this is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And people get, yeah, and that, that because I am a benevolent dictator, I care for my people. And that's why I believe politics is not working in any shape or form. What you have is career politicians, people who just want to benefit themselves rather than benefit their people. And they will use, make false promises. I am happy for America, yeah? But America is not my priority in any shape or form. <laughs> no. But I don't see someone who, and I wasn't a supporter of Trump, was someone who was part of the establishment for 47 years, someone who was vice president for eight years. I don't see what he's going to be able to do. What they've just done is changed the chairs, changed it over. That's all they've done. <laughs> just a switch of color. But just a switch, just a switch, of, switch color. of color. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. From red to blue. It, from, well, this is the thing. It's like the um, there's that Chris Rock quote from I can't remember which special it is specifically, but there's it's there's some things that I'm conservative about. There's some things I'm liberal about, and there's no individual person is. I mean, as much as some politicians like to imagine that they are, there is no one. There's no individual person that is fully conservative on all issues, mm. or fully liberal, or mm. I guess democratic on others. There's always going to be some kind of mismatch of ideas and it's all based on your experiences. And I think let's do away with those weird camps that you have where I'm wearing red and you're wearing blue and therefore we hate each other. Yeah. Just I, get rid of it. Put them in a field, it, let them fight it out. And once everyone's tired, we go home. Yeah, and that it creates, it creates division. Yeah, but it's like, it's fake division. This is the thing. It's purely fabricated division, purely based on like the history of that party. Yeah. There's no like, as an individual person, I'm sure a Republican and a Demo someone from the Democratic Party would absolutely get on on an individual level. But because of the party politics, they now dislike each other. Like, if you hear about some Republicans' conspiracy theories about Democrats, it's insane. Mm -hmm. Like they think they're lizards, they think they secretly run sex rings. And it's just, it's mental when you think about it. It actually comes from party politics. It comes mm -hmm. from vilifying the other side of the opposition. Mm -hmm. like just get rid of all of it entirely. If mm -hmm. someone's genuinely worth having as a leader on their own merit, they should mm -hmm. be able to show that rather than I'm backed by this party. Mm -hmm. EJ, this has been fantastic. Uh, we started by talking about your Filipino heritage. You have <laughs> confirmed about the fact that you're a comedy nerd. 
I am now fully aware that I'm not one of your favorite comedians. It's okay. I have to learn how to do one-liners. <laughs> And, you absolutely uh, <laughs> are. I wouldn't be on this podcast if you weren't. That's just it. <laughs> and, you know, we, 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 we've heard things about Next Stop. I wish you every success in your oh, career. You. Uh, stop stalking prospective employers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't but, guarantee that. I'll be honest uh, with you. For my listeners and uh, viewers, because this will be on YouTube and audio, do you want to say a little bit more about Next Stop in terms of what offers they've got for comedy lovers who want yes. to watch comedians uh, and a president on Next Stop? <laughs> yes, of course. So yeah, we are a comedy subscription service. We are, you can get us from as little as five, uh, five pounds a month. Um, we're actually streaming majority of the Leicester Comedy Festival in February, live inter-platform for members. So yeah, if you're a big comedy fan, definitely, definitely check it out. It's worth the subscription fee. And plus you support amazing acts like President Obonjo. 50% of our subscription fee does go to the acts on the platform. So it's all about really giving back and being part of the industry. So yeah, if you're a comedy fan, Next Up is a guaranteed must have. Yeah. So guys, I hope you have really enjoyed this. I certainly have had a fantastic time spending time with EJ. I, I wasn't planning to last this long, but as you know, with my podcast, if I'm really enjoying it, it lasts an hour. If I find that the guest is boring, I abruptly uh, stop the podcast and uh, I get rid of them very quickly. I'm only finding out about this for the first time now. I'm just really... <laughs> <laughs> So you have done extremely well, EJ. Thanks for um, spending time with me and uh, I, I wish you all the best. Um, listeners, this is episode, I believe, 27 or 28, but it doesn't really matter. It's 20 something. Some people say I shouldn't call it a sodcast. It's the only dictator podcast. Uh, and it's competing with the likes of Joe Rogan uh, rather than <laughs> Stuart Goldsmith. So this is going to blow up. And uh, my challenge to Next Stop and the, the community manager is making sure that he plugs this as oh, well. So sure. thank, thank you so much. And uh, thank you for listening and watching. And we should be back next week. Thank you. This show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on Acast. Why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out podomity.com now.